Welcome to Mental Health Natters, the podcast about all things recovery and mental health. I'm Anne and I'm here with Justine today. Hi Justine. Hi Anne. And we're here with our guest Martine who's here to talk to us about her own recovery and also how nature has been an important part of that recovery journey. So morning Martine. Morning. Thank you for joining us. So as a little sort of introduction to you, like I said, you do work in our organisation and we're going to ask you a bit more about your role a bit later. And also you are an expert by experience yourself, aren't you? So if we could start with your experiences, your recovery really, wherever you feel comfortable to start. I suppose since we're talking about nature, I've, I've been thinking and I remember I, I went missing for a few hours when I was about seven. And when my mum and dad found me, I was, I was sat in this bush with a load of bees on me. Oh. <laughs> and my mum and dad always thought I was weird because of that. But I think that's because it's the whole nature of it, you know what I mean? And just being around the nature. But obviously you're not allowed, I suppose because that's seen as weird, you sort of suppress that side of you. Which I think in turn, I suppose for the need to feel accepted and stuff, I started using drugs from around the age of 12, 13 which got me into all sorts of mad trouble and just craziness. But actually, it was nature that saved me in the end. So, yeah, I've found that, I suppose, you feel disconnected from everything, you know, from your family, from your friends, almost like almost like you're the black sheep. And it's like, I don't know, everyone just thinks you're weird. So then you have to therefore conform. And the people I was hanging around with at the time, they used drugs, so I just... I was easily led <laughs> and through wanting that acceptance you sort of do it with them but yeah I used so I haven't used now since I had stopped using in 2004 and I've been off my methadone since 2011. Wow okay so that yeah so thank you for kind of explaining some of that and like you say I think what you were saying around kind of wanting to feel accepted and almost kind of even when you were younger at seven kind of feeling that you're a bit of an out, outsider mm. and trying to kind of get in you know accepted is the term you used wasn't it in that sense yeah so yeah so and it's a big part of your, your life isn't it like you say for, for that amount of time from 2004 up until 2011 um, when you came off methadone so I can imagine that process was quite hard as you were kind of detoxing could you tell us a little bit more about that yeah so I was actually working in my role uh, that I do now but I was actually working for addictions and I was based in the houses at Ardenley and I just decided one day after doing an intuitive recovery and that goes into the neuroscience behind addiction I tried everything else and it hadn't worked so nothing seemed to work even getting clean in the first place the thought that I was going to lose my children didn't work the fact that my mum and dad wouldn't speak to me that didn't work the fact that I'd been kidnapped sold and all sorts of things they just that just didn't work it wasn't enough no matter what happened I needed that connection but I couldn't get it outside anywhere and it's like the drugs gave me that it served its purpose until it didn't yeah do you know what I mean so by the time I came to doing the neuroscience and actually what I've done is and what all addicts do is drugs gets pushed to the top of your um your basic needs uh-huh. which is why you will buy drugs rather than food which is why you'll buy drugs rather than pay your gas bill and have heat and water but yeah that made sense to me mm. so I thought you know what I'm only on a little bit of methadone I'm just not taking it anymore and it was hard <laughs> but you know what physically it wasn't as hard as I thought it was because I've detoxed a couple of times off heroin before I think the worst thing for me with that was the anxiety and the panic attacks that came and uh-huh. I, I, I didn't know what a panic attack was so I thought I was going mad and having a heart attack at the same time and I just couldn't I couldn't get my head around it until someone explained no you're having a panic attack 
and actually that would pass. So just having to sit there and do my breathing until it had gone. But yeah, I did my detox at work. You know, my colleagues, they really supported me. One of my colleagues, he'd worked in addiction, so he knew what to expect. You know, he let me off when I'd probably said things that I shouldn't have said out of anger. Because that's the thing, you see, when you use, you don't have any feelings. And obviously when all those traumatic events happen, you feel nothing. So when you take the drugs out of the equation, all those feelings come back. And a year after doing my detox, I ended up having a breakdown. And I think that was sheerly based on the fact that I've got 20 years plus of suppressed emotions that all just bubble to the surface. And I was like, oh, my God, what is that? I don't even know what to do with this. Yeah. I literally, I just I just wanted to kill somebody. Honestly, it was horrible because that's not my nature and I'm not like that. And I couldn't understand where all these feelings were coming from. And I was just so angry. And, you know, you have these ideas to try and get this anger like, out. Like, so that's when I find myself going outside and just going down by the lake and just sitting there in the trees and watching, you know, observing the seasons. They're green and then they have blossom and then they have nothing. And for me, it was like I was in the winter where I felt bare. Do you know what I mean? And then just watching the seasons again. I thought, you know what, I'm going to blossom and this is how I'm going to I'm going to do it because I'm part of nature. You know, she has her seasons where she's spent and she needs to go into a rest stage and then she'll blossom. And that's what I did. So was there a point, Martine, where you felt the connection? Can you remember feeling because coming off drugs, I'm guessing you felt disconnected because you said you were take you felt connected while you were taking them. Yeah. Did you go through a phase of being disconnected and then connecting with nature? Yeah, I was reading uh, the Celestine Prophecy by uh, James Redfield and I was sitting down at the lake and it, it talks about the connections that we have and control dramas that we pull on each other. Because basically people take our power and they take our energy and, you know, they do that in certain ways, you know, whether whether they intimidate us or they pull the victim cards and all that sort of stuff. And I could see all that in the relationships around me and how I do those things too, you know, and that, that's something to this day that I still work on with my own children and the people around me, you know. But yeah, I just remember reading it and it, it really resonated with me. And I remember it rained and the rain was warm and I just felt like I'd been cleansed almost. It was and something just clicked. Wow. And it's almost like I'd been reclaimed back to the earth. It's, I don't even know how to explain it. Almost sounds spiritual. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Like you said, Justine, that sounds very spiritual and kind of, for you, quite a powerful moment. So from that experience, when you were talking about the rain and kind of feeling cleansed and things like that, did you then start to seek out nature more to kind of connect? Because Justine, you were talking about being disconnected, weren't you? It sounds like that, that connection with nature, that was a catalyst. I went I was raised as a Catholic and I went to a Catholic school, but I could never get my head around the fact that God hated me because that's what I was told. You know, I'll question everything and that's that's just my nature. You know, I'm very curious. I like to know why things are the way they are and always got into trouble for it. And I remember, I suppose that even stunted my recovery because, you know, when you get to NA and stuff, it's very uh, God focused or higher power focused. And I suppose I thought, well, I'm going to hell anyway. What's the bloody point in getting clean? Do you know what I mean? And, you know, I've got kids and I've never been married and, you know, all of those things. And then one day, I think the whole rain experience, it's almost like I felt God or felt a higher power, whether that come from inside or without side. And I thought, actually, I'm not a bad person, you know, and I can't, you know, thoughts like punishment and vengefulness and all. They're human things, you know, animals don't seek revenge on each other. You know, we're the only species that does that. And God is not human, so therefore why would God do that? Do you know what I mean, actually? So 
that's it got me looking into spirituality and that's when I went to paganism which is very nature based uh-huh. obviously I'm, I'm not I don't categorize myself as any religion right now you know I'm just spiritual you know I think there's if you look into all religions there's there's good and bad aspects in all of them and you know like my recovery I, t- I tailor-made my own recovery I went around to all the recovery bits that were available and the bits I didn't want I just didn't use them you know the bits I liked I thought oh I like that I like that I like that and just I created my own package and, and that's I suppose why I feel passionate about individualised care as well because not one you know one size doesn't fit all you know and I know that from my own experience do you know what I mean and I think I suppose what was important for me because when you're using or when you're mentally unwell you know you don't do the things you enjoy and because you don't do them for so long you forget what they are and because you're not doing what lights you up you're not connecting to yourself so what I had to do was sit and think when I was a kid what did I love doing and I did not fall back to you know I was in that bush with them bitches for hours. Mm. You know, my mum and dad were looking all over the place for me. But it seemed like I wasn't, there was no time. Do you know what I mean? I was. I just felt just immersed in something. And I think when you do that, you're not in your own head. Mm-hmm. You're, you're more in your own soul. So I suppose for me, it's weird I have a saying now. It's like I used to crave crap, but now I crave trees. And I do, <laughs> and I get, if I don't go out into nature often enough, I feel my mood starting to dip and stuff and just by going out you know and I've, I've learned a lot of things about the trees and you know they take in what we breathe out and vice versa but also you can go and put your negativity and your bad thoughts and your feelings into the trees and they turn it into something positive and they give that back to you do you know what I mean mm, yeah. and like you say I think it's kind of that process of being part of something bigger and like mm. you know you are being able to connect in that way it kind of without trying to analyze it or anything you kind of puts things in perspective sometimes because you just sounds like what you were describing then sounds quite peaceful and just sort of like a process almost that you yeah you needed to go through and actually having that kind of autonomy for what 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 do I need right now what do I need to be with nature I need to be with the trees and things like that it sounds quite freeing as well from your experience that you've just shared yeah I mean before we kind of started recording the podcast you were talking about self-worth and some of the things that you were doing so can you talk to us a little bit more about that and what self-worth in in your recovery experience I suppose I think back to not having hardly any self-worth you know and I suppose that, that gets drummed in from an early age you know I've got my parents were from Northern Ireland so they had their own trauma from the troubles so it's almost like I would have to go into people pleaser mode just to get some attention and you know and then you end up doing that throughout your whole life you know you're at school and you're told that you're not good enough you know you're not a good Catholic you're not like everybody else why do you have to ask questions for and then you start doubting yourself and then you think actually you know maybe I'm not worth much because you go through your life feeling unseen and unheard you feel invisible mm-hmm. do you know what I mean and I suppose even the drugs it's like well no one sees me anyway so I might as well just get off my face do you know what I mean but when I was working you know I don't think for a second that if I didn't have my job I'd, I'd be clean today I, I know that for a fact because actually I couldn't stop for myself yeah because I wasn't worth it in my head I wasn't worth stopping for you know and in my head it was easier to just continue doing what I was doing because it was comfortable mm-hmm. you know even though it was traumatic every single day it was comfortable it's like and I suppose the whole element of change is a scary process so you stick with what you know so what I had to do was look at the people around me you know the patients I was supporting the carers I was helping you know the staff that had a lot of love for me and thought actually I can't let them down mm-hmm. you know and actually what I'll do is almost put my recovery in their hands 
they don't know about it because you don't ask them because it's quite a big responsibility. But in my head, I thought, you know what, I'm going to do it for them until I've got enough self-worth about myself till I can take the reins over and do it for me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's how it happened. And it was a gradual thing and it, it took a long time. You know, I'm only just, I mean, I've been, yeah, I've been clean a, a good while and I'm only starting to look at my own self-worth and where that where that has to come from and why I don't have any and that sort of things you know did you know when you took the role that it was going to help you in that way or was that just something that came by surprise I only applied for the job because I didn't think I'd get it I was doing volunteering at Drugline in town and someone suggested doing it so I applied for the job my mum was over when I was doing the application and she kept switching the computer off and I kept losing all my work and in the end I put the application in the bin <laughs> and they phoned me that morning and said if you can get it to us by hand by two o'clock we'll think about shortlisting you so I remember driving all the way to 10 acres with beans on the application for oh, no. on the envelope because it had been in the bin I didn't expect to get the job but it was obviously meant to be so no I, I wasn't expecting it at all you know so the fact that you detoxed while on while in the role and you found that by helping others it was helping you to help yourself oh, came yeah. came as a surprise to you it, it did it was it was a pleasant surprise I think a lot of information we have for us comes from us but we don't listen to ourselves so you have to have that conversation with someone so you can hear your own tones coming from you it's almost like it comes from your higher self but you have to hear it out of your mouth that's why you can suggest things to people till the cows come home and until they accept that and hear it for themselves they just won't do it so all the advice and suggestions I was giving to the people with addictions that I worked with I was really giving to myself do you know what I mean because people mirror us and it's like you know they put that mirror up and I think actually I should do that because actually I don't want to be a hypocrite either and I don't want to give all this advice to people and not do it myself mm-hmm. so I started like, listening to yourself by talking to other people yeah So you're not doing that role anymore specifically, are you? But you're in a very similar role now, aren't you? In terms of still working with service users and families and carers and things. Yeah. Um, So could you tell us a little bit more about the job that you do now? Um, So I've just come out of secure care. I was there for seven years at Arden there with the women and the young people. And I just loved that. Absolutely loved it. You know, I look at myself and my lifestyle before I got my role and stuff. And I look at all them women and I think, do you know what I mean? One slight, you know, if I hadn't handled something as well as I did, I could be there. That that any of them women could have been me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I and I started to notice that it was always it was always the little things that made the big difference. And I know that sounds like a cliche and it's proper cheesy, but it's true. And because of that, that made me look at the little things that I do for myself or that I want someone to contribute towards in my life, you know, little things like Coming home and Ben's done the washing up, that's a really big thing to me. It's not even a, a massive thing to me. But it's like, do you know what? That means I can go and have a shower or that means I can go and sit outside and, I don't know, stroke the cat or whatever, you know what I mean? Or else I'm stuck behind, the, the, you know, the sink washing the dishes, which I don't mind doing because I find that quite mindful, you know, the running of the water and stuff. So I try and turn that into a process. But yeah, it's, it's always about the little things. In my current role, I've moved over to community. We've not actually properly started yet, so I'm not sure <laughs> as to what I'm going to be doing. But it will be around patients and carers participating, you know, in 
their recovery and strategy and whatnot, and also gathering their experience so we can improve the services. And again, like I said, it's always about the little things. And like you say, I think from kind of the roles that you've done, obviously bringing some of your own experiences into that process as well. But are there other skills that you think that you've developed or or rediscovered through the the work that you do? Yeah, I can talk to anyone. (laughs) I just assumed everybody could, but apparently, you know, I can speak to a doctor and speak to a cleaner and speak, and I can just engage a conversation. And apparently that's a skill. I just assumed everybody could do that, but apparently people, not everyone can. <laughs> I suppose I'm more comfortable in my own skin. You know, anyone who's seen me, you know, bowling around the trust in my pink wellies will know that I ain't really bothered <laughs> what anyone else thinks. I like them and, you know. And I think that's as you become more comfortable in yourself. I think we tend not to spend a lot of time in our bodies. You know, we're often in our head. We're often projected into the future. Like, oh, what am I going to cook for dinner later? Or, or I wish that hadn't have happened last week or whatever. So we're never in the present. So to spend more time in your body, you actually become comfortable in your own skin. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And I've noticed I've been doing that. And I suppose I mean, the whole way thing come about was when we all had to wear the masks for COVID. Um, I was given like the healthcare assistant blue t-shirt and I looked the same as everybody else and that, that was quite distressing for the women uh-huh. so I thought you know what? I need something that's going to make me stand out so I just put my wellies on and they loved it but it got to a point where if I come to work without my wellies on people got really upset <laughs> what's going on why have you not got your wellies on <laughs> so then it just sort of stuck and I've had them on my feet for three years <laughs> And it's really interesting from kind of when you were speaking about your earlier life experiences about wanting to fit in and wanting to kind of almost not be noticed and just go along with the crowd and things. And as you've kind of gone through your experiences and grown in your confidence, actually you've accepted that it's okay or you recognise that it's okay to be yourself however you you are rather than trying to put on a mask or trying to kind of not a covid mask put on a mask around trying to trying to just fit in and not be noticed and things and like I think that's a definite thing that I'm picking up through what you've been sharing is about you doing it for yourself it doesn't matter what other people think about you what's important is how you feel and how you are living your life yeah definitely you know and that's something I like to I suppose teach my children and teach other people you know to wear a mask every day, it takes up a lot of energy. You know, you feel depleted. It's, it's you know, oh, before I had my breakdown in 2012, <laughs> believe it or not, I used to wear a suit to wear. I used to power dress because I thought, well, I work for the NHS and, you know, they're all professional. And in order for me to be professional, then I have to wear a suit and, you know, I have to learn all these acronyms and all these big words. And I just could not cope with it. I think with the feelings coming back from being off, coming off methadone and then the pressure of that, which wasn't put on by the NHS, it was put on by myself because I wanted to be seen and accepted as a professional in my own right because I suppose I felt that people were looking at me, especially for the first year in my role, was like, well, look at her, you know, she hadn't been to university, how she even get a job here? Because it wasn't really heard of. You know, they employed me knowing full well I was on, well, I was on Subutex at the time. So it's almost like I had a lot to prove and I put a lot of pressure on myself to the point where I just snapped, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. You know, and then I thought, well, actually, <laughs> and I burnt my suit in the garden, I set fire to it, you know, <laughs> and I thought, that's not me. And it was really freeing because actually I can only be me. I can't be anybody else because then I'm not being. I'm actually trying to be something I'm not. 
And I will never be able to do that because that's not who I am. So I have to be authentic, do you know what I mean? Because I have to be able to sleep at night. I have to be able to satisfy my own soul, knowing that I've been myself 100% over the course of the day. So was your breakdown an awakening moment as well then? I think, I'll call it, I'll call it my dark night of the soul. It's almost like everyone has to experience that in order for them to, I suppose, push all the rubbish to one side and actually see things for what they are, you know. We're not here to live our life for anybody else, not even our own children. We're here to live our life for us and have our experiences. You know, and I've heard stories about people on their deathbed and they've never regretted the things they did do. It's the things they didn't do. And I thought, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. And actually, I have to be aware of, of who is watching me and my children watch me. And, you know, they don't listen to the things I tell them. They do the things that I do. So therefore, I have to be an example. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? but also accept that they're here for their own experiences. So kind of going in a roundabout way, your interests around and obviously your own experiences around nature and how that's been really powerful for you in your own recovery experience kind of led you to get more involved in recovery college, didn't it? And deliver a session about nature appreciation. Well, you were co-facilitating a session about nature appreciation. So could you tell us a little bit more about that process and how that came about? Yeah, so um, I think so. I don't know who came up with the idea about the session. And I think our team was supporting sessions at the time. So my old boss, he says, oh, Martin likes trees and stuff. <laughs> well, that's Martin. <laughs> to be fair, anything to do with outside or gardening or wellies or whatever, people always come to me, which I don't mind. You know, it's nice. And I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. And I went round with the other facilitators. And it was just all this knowledge about the plants. And I thought, you know, I didn't even know that. You know, obviously, I knew that some medication came from some plants. But to find, you know, to find that, I don't know, you could when you've got tough eight, you can dig up a root and boil it up and it'll numb your mouth. And I just, mm. it just absolutely blew my mind. I thought, you know, I already knew Mother Nature was amazing, but this just took it to the next level for me. Mm. And to be able to share that with people was just immense. I loved it. Yeah, because like you say, I think there's that kind of, you, you have that connection anyway with nature, but then actually learning about some of the things that nature can do for us on a, on a different level. And then also kind of, so you were learning yourself but also sharing that knowledge with other people as well as part of the the college sessions which is really good well, that got me I went on then to do a diploma in uh, master herbalism mm. so yeah I'll just it just fascinated me you know it's awesome I love it <laughs> yeah and like you say in terms of kind of your own knowledge and skills is consistent continuously growing isn't it in that sense and I think you said earlier around kind of like remembering when you were little about kind of what you used to enjoy doing and it just sounds like for you that nature is a, is a central part of that and then it's it's grown in the sense of like what else can I know about it and it, there's an abundance of things that that you probably never will know isn't it but it's just like that curiosity of I'm interested in this and I've got the passion about this and then it came into the, the sort of fruition of let's make a course about this and share share this with other people which is brilliant, isn't it? And you used to kind of kind of have, like, I suppose, like a guided walk, I guess, we'd kind of walk and talk sort of thing about the, you know, stuff along the way and talk about different plants and some of the properties that they can, can bring as yeah. well. Did you love it? I do, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, Martine, when, I mean, you seem like you're in a really good, happy place, but life's not like that all the time, is it? So when it dips for you, what is it that you actually do to 
to bring yourself back up? I think firstly, I need to recognise why my mood dips in the first place. And I can get that clarity by just going to sit under a big tree and I'll sit there and I like I'll call it tracking. I like to track back as to why I feel the way I feel, you know, who was involved, all that sort of stuff. And for me mainly, it's guilt. You know, I'm not good enough as a mom. I've got imposter syndrome at work. I'm not a very good wife. All of those things that we all have, you know, and actually I'll, I'll just sit there and I just have to just just breathe. We don't breathe properly, you know, and especially women because we want to look slimmer. We sort of suck our tummies in. So we breathe through our chest and we're not meant to. We're meant to breathe through our stomach, you know, meant to take a good deep breath in. And when you do that, you know, you, you fill your body with nourishment and almost love and all those sorts of things, you know. You know, I've spent, look, I've not long had COVID and I've spent a lot of time in the garden. So the thing this month is, this year is there, planting plants. Mm-hmm. I, want, I want to make my own food. I've got about 50 pepper plants. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think how I was going to look after all. I thought, oh, they're lovely little plants. And now they're all getting big. And I was like, oh, I've got 50 <laughs> Not to mention all the other plants that I've got. But, yeah, just in the soil, you know, the microbes are really good for you. You know, they've got mental health boosting properties and stuff. You know, whereas when you're a kid, don't touch that. It's dirty. Stop eating soil. All that sort of stuff. Whereas I actually encourage my kids to do it. You know, come and sit down. You know, let's do some gardening. Get, get some dirt in your nails. It's really good for you. You know, being outside, you know, especially around really big old trees, you almost feel their wisdom and almost like, I don't know, like they, they rush to your aid and they surround you and protect you. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But you feel small in their presence, but not insignificant because you're a part of it. You know, if you think of bacteria and viruses, you know, they're an integral part of life on Earth. Even though they're tiny, we couldn't we couldn't exist without them. So it doesn't matter how big or how small you feel that you are. You know, you're all part of it. Yeah. And and that's what I like. And then I sit and think, you know, you know, where does where does the guilt from? And again, you track it back to when you're little and self-worth and this, that and the other. And I'm able to then sit and release that into the ground or into earth. And then I just feel better. You know, I'll go back home, hug my kids, say I'm sorry, you know, probably telling them off or whatever. You know, and we all have a hug and it's all good until it happens again. But it, it happens less and less the more you discharge it back into the earth because she'll deal with that. Thank you for sharing that. It's really interesting. And I think it's kind of, like you say, around that kind of being part of something bigger and recognising your place in that is really, really quite powerful, isn't it? I was just thinking when you're talking about breathing, were you taught any kind of techniques and things or have you just learnt these yourself or looked it up yourself? I like to do breathwork, breathwork roadshows, uh, workshops. There's loads of like breathwork things on YouTube. Um, I suppose I think back to when I was coming off heroin and the panic attacks. Uh-huh. and all I had was my breath yeah do you know what I mean because you you can't you cannot breathe <laughs> so you have to slow it down and you have to get really present in your body and count the breaths in and count them out and eventually you know all those chemical levels in your body will start to level out and you'll feel better so yeah I just think it's really important you know it's something I you know when the kids can't sleep or when the children are feeling overwhelmed that's something I sit and do with them uh-huh. you know but just just breath work and like you say, I think it's, you know, it's always with you, isn't it? And I think you can use it as an anchor. And you can also, you know, we've done a, a podcast episode on mindfulness as well and about some of the practices that you can do in order to kind of, I suppose it kind of builds up your confidence, doesn't it? So even when things are feeling overwhelming and out of control, I can take some control back over this. But you have to practice it, don't you? I think. Yeah. 
um, which sounds mad because breathing comes automatic but we have to practice breathing and mm. I suppose it baffles some people's heads because I was like what do you mean I'm not breathing properly of course I know how to breathe whereas actually I wasn't I didn't know the more that you do it that you can see the effects like you say you can actually feel yourself calming down or you can see, yeah. see things that kind of are improving like you said if you've got a kind of a tense situation being able to kind of take a few moments just to concentrate on your breathing you feel more empowered to I can deal with this situation that just gives you that kind of space doesn't it to kind of yeah. approach situations and things and I so. think because I'm quite impulsive so it's actually taught me to be able to take a step back and think or just breathe do you know what I mean just breathe you don't have to answer straight away because often I'd put my foot in my mouth and get myself into trouble, you know, especially when I was on methadone because I had no filter whatsoever. But, yeah, just to be able to take a step out and just do my breathing. Uh-huh. And then I get some clarity. You know, I, I don't know about everyone else, but when I'm feeling overwhelmed, my mind goes foggy. I can't, I just can't think. I can't fathom words together. You know, what does come out of my mouth is not what I mean. And rather than me doing that and getting into trouble, I can just come out, take a few breaths. It's almost like, you breathe out that fog and then you get some clarity coming and then actually this is what I want to say because this is what I'm trying to get across and then that that almost stops me from getting myself into trouble with my mind. But also helps you articulate what you're trying to you mm. know what you're trying to say in that sense like rather than getting jumbled up with things again oh, I didn't mean some of the things as well so it's really powerful isn't it? But I've also accepted that sometimes in life there are no words and that's okay too. You're just just with your breath yeah yeah I'm wondering Martine is spell important to you because as you as you're out in nature and then you're breathing in I'm guessing you breathe in different smells and oh, see, I'm, I'm a very sensory person anyway I always have been you know I like to touch the bark of the trees I think my favorite is probably the beech tree because it's really smooth I like being among, among the pine trees when they release their the sap that comes out the pot and you can smell it and it's, it's a whole experience you know and obviously if you're foraging then you can taste things as well to be fair most stuff don't taste that good to be fair you know (laughs) unless it's the fruits and stuff you know most of the the roots and the leaves are a bit bland or a bit bitter but that's where the medicinal properties come from the bitterness a lot of them Mm -hmm. so you know yeah but it, it, it has to be a whole sensory you know hearing the birds singing the smells you know the feeling of the wind on your skin or you know the certain leaves that feel nice or just rubbing the bark or you know I bet people walk past and think what's she doing <laughs> I'm like come on come over here come and enjoy yourself so it's the complete package isn't it yeah but that's me I'm all about the complete package you know I think if you're not going to do something properly what's the point I want the full experience yeah. and like you say it sounds like you really immerse yourself in what nature has to offer yeah, yeah that's brilliant yeah. You do make it sound inviting. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. So I was just thinking, Martin, like we've had a, a brilliant chat with you today. Um, and thank you for sharing so openly about some of your experiences. I was just wondering if you had kind of like any sort of final thoughts or comments that you wanted to kind of leave us with. I just think when you're feeling not so great or when you're feeling disconnected or that nobody understands you or I suppose sometimes you want company, but you don't really want to company with the people around you do you know what I mean the trees they don't judge (laughs) you know they're great listeners just go outside you know even if you can't go outside just open your curtains and open your window and look outside have a look at 
what the birds are doing, what the plants are doing, you know, look at the colours, notice the smells, quite mindful things. But, you know, if you can go outside, just just immerse yourself in it, you know, and, and if you don't like it, you don't have to do it again. But it's almost like just fully dive in and then you'll notice what your comfort levels are. You know, not everyone's comfortable with, I don't know, being in a public park hugging trees. You know what I mean? Not everyone's comfortable with that. And that's OK. But, you know, you can just sit with your back next to them. You know, even it's like, what this is what I like. If I've got a headache, sit next to the willow tree and it will it will take your headache away. Because the stuff in the bark is what they used to make aspirin out of. It's, it's just there's just a whole range of things to offer. And like you say, you can take it to any level that you want. Any to. level. Yeah. Not everyone needs to do what you're doing. That it's okay that you're doing what you're doing. But if someone just wants to go for a walk in in like a green space or something, or like you say, just sit looking out the window, looking at the trees and how the wind moves through, or things like that. Anything. I think it's that connection, isn't it? Like you say, and sometimes you don't want to necessarily be around. You don't want to be alone, but you don't want to be around people necessarily. Yeah. I can relate to that. And and like you say, I think being able to kind of get yourself into that space can help you feel part of something bigger. Um, I think people they they come with their judgments and their expectations and their projections, whereas actually nature has none of that. Do you know what I mean? And if you can't get out, bring nature in. You know what I mean? Get get some plants. Mm-hmm. You know they they love to be. You know they love when, when you sing to them. I mean, they've done experiments where they've got the same plants and someone you know, says horrible things to them, says nice things to them, and the one that's treated nicely flourishes, but the other one just it just doesn't grow, you know, and I think that that's important to, to people as well because we're part of nature, you know, imagine if you'd be nice to everybody, how, how much they grow, do you know what I mean? It's it's just really important. Yeah, it's really powerful, isn't it, in the sense, like you say, it sounds so simple when you say it, but, you know, there's a lot of things that we turn in on ourselves, isn't there, and you talked about that before, about when you were talking about feeling worthless and things like that, but actually kind of I think you said this as well with your job about being able to kind of project outwards to other people about you were hearing it yourself. And like you say, being curious and being in nature and kind of appreciating maybe kind of like the flower that's kind of got buds on it and things and, and tracking that sort of thing. It's it's all part of the process, isn't it? I think really. Um, and I also another thing to think about nature is that it's, it gives us hope, doesn't it? When you were talking about being in that winter phase of your life and blossoming then, and kind of doing the things that you're doing now nature's very much like that as well isn't it It, it'll come back and it'll you know you'll get kind of you know weeds that grow in really strange places and things like this where have you come from sort of thing and it finds it finds a way doesn't it It finds a way to come through and that that's the message of hope isn't it i think thank you so much martine that's been brilliant you enjoyed it i've loved it